0: I saw it this morning. Um, I actually had a message, as I said, that, that was to be for everyone, just having a think about, you know, what's going on in the world and things like that. We've talked about it before, you know, the the way the world seems so crazy at, at the moment. Not just about COVID, but just in lots of different areas, um, we find ourselves in a place where we don't always know what's going on. And I just wanted to really talk about our decision making in around things like, obviously one of the big things is the vaccine, vaccine vaccinations, you know, do we protest against the government, do we not protest against the government if we're not agreeing with it, how do we live that out and what about a Christian, how do I make the decisions about these things um, because it is important and if someone makes a different decision to me, how do I treat them and how do I honour them as a Christian because we know that that God wants us to live together and work together as Christians um, in a peaceful way. But one thing we've noticed is throughout the ages that the church of God has been amazingly powerful in times where things weren't going their way. When laws were against how the church should operate, um, when things weren't set up so that it could flourish, yet the church itself flourished. I think of China, one of those places where the church went underground, where the government has actually recognised some good things about the church and I'll, I'll just give one example about that a little bit later on when we're talking about the obedience to authorities. What does that look like for us as well? Because there are times in our life when we are going to be either fearful or worried uncertain but also there's times in our life where there's things that we will find immoral illegal ungodly that we're making decisions that we won't do and sometimes people make different decisions to us about those things so this morning I wanted to talk about two things one is that our call to honor the authorities of our land and the other is how do we live together as Christians. And what I'm going to be doing is reading a little bit from Romans 13. I'm going to read all of chapter 14 of Romans and just let that sink into our hearts. Not comment too much on that. And then I'm going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 13 to 16 about that. But I'll just give you a little bit of my story, I guess, about my journey with everything that's going on. I'm, (laughs) I don't know, I'm probably like you. You don't like being told what to do. All right, we have this thing in our heart, you know, I don't like to be told what to do. It's it's something that's been there from the beginning of the world, really, with Adam and Eve, you know, that that there's this something in us, if you see something, do not touch this, straight away you want to touch it, right? Do not walk on the grass, straight away you just want to roll on it and get all comfy. But there seems to be this something inside of us that we don't like to be restricted or controlled, which is is great, there's nothing wrong with that, to, to be, be aware of, of those sorts of things that can happen in your life. And for myself, like the journey with the vaccine is very much like this. At the beginning, when, um, when it all came out, I had phone calls from people, Neil, this is what I've heard about this. Can you tell me about it? I looked it up and I was like, you know what, what you're saying doesn't seem true, According to the research that I'm doing right now, the vaccine is not an immoral thing. Uh, Is it illegal? I wouldn't say it's illegal either to do it. Is it ungodly? Is it ungodly to get a vaccine? We've all probably had them. For myself, I'm like, no, it's not ungodly. But at the same time, I was sort of very much like, I don't want to get it right now. If I don't have to get it, I won't. But that didn't make it wrong or right to get the vaccine it just meant a choice that I have and and we still have that choice today whatever it might be one of the things that I've noticed though is that we often as Christians are very fearful about what this might mean and, and often it's caught up in the end time stuff right you know if you take this vaccine it's the mark of the beast if you take this vaccine it's evil and you're obeying the devil things like that but being a Christian for a long time also gives you opportunity to reflect back on things in the past did you know the bank card when that first came out was the mark of the beast? Why? Because bank card had three B's and inside the three B's you could get six, six, six out of it. Did you know that every time you go to the supermarket today and you scan something with a barcode, that's the mark of the beast? That was something else that came out. The Australia card many years ago, which was, was proposed and actually ended up being shut down, which was basically a Medicare card. That's the mark of the beast. I think sometimes we can read into things because of the fear that we have that makes us want to to fear the worst. This is the mark of the beast. And if I, as a Christian, do that, then obviously I'm disobeying God. But for me... I cannot see this as being the mark of the beast either. Is there some elements of what we'd like to call control? Perhaps. But what's the reasons for the decisions that government make? Overall, I believe that they want the best for the society that they're in. Whether or not we agree with or disagree with the decisions, I don't think that their intention is bad. They're not out to destroy society. They're not out to control us fully. They're not picking on churches. It's not a religious thing because it's every venue that they're imposing these rules to. So we have to think very carefully about how we react and what we do. Are there times when we disobey the government? We'll talk about that later. There are some times when we have to go, you know what? This is immoral. This is illegal. This is ungodly. This is against God's revealed will for me to do this thing. So, I didn't have the vaccine for a very long time, probably about three months ago, I was talking with Joe and I said, you know what, I can see the writing on the wall, and this is honestly, it's not a godly reason or an ungodly reason, it was like, if we don't get vaccinated, we're not going to Perth at Christmas, <laughs> that's, that's it. <laughs> that sounds really wrong. But it wasn't a godly decision. It wasn't this moral dilemma that I was facing. It was like, you know what? We we can't go to Perth. Yet at the same time, I also began to, to think about my freedoms as a person. What are my freedoms? What are my rights? What can I do? And I always remembered that one of the things that Jesus did, he gave up his freedom to serve us so we could be free. I remember Paul talking about you know, to the Jews, I'm a Jew. I live as a Jew. I I, I follow their customs. I follow the law, even though I'm not bound by the law. I'm following it. Why? So that I can win others to Christ. It says, when I'm with the Gentiles, I live as a Gentile, as if I was without the law. Why? So that I could win some for Christ. When Paul took Timothy on one of his trips, he went to a Jewish region. Now, If you've ever read the Gospels and the letters that Paul writes, you will know 100% that he is against circumcision for salvation. In fact, he had some very brutal things to say about people that were demanding that people get circumcised to be saved. He said, why don't you just go the whole way then if you think that's what makes you holy? Take it all off. (laughs) Yet on this trip, he got Timothy circumcised. Why? Because Timothy had one parent who was Greek and one who was a Jew, but they were going to minister amongst Jews. And he said, rather than cause offence to the Jews, Timothy, I'm going to circumcise you, and it was done. For me, as a minister of the gospel, I have to think about these things. Am I prepared to give up my freedom for the sake of others? For me, as a minister, if I have been called to the hospital to visit and pray for someone who's sick... And I get to the door and they say, I'm sorry, you can't come in, you're not double vaccinated. Am I willing to give up my freedom to not be vaccinated for the sake of someone else? These are things that we have to think about. Because we do know that we are free in Christ, yet at the same time we also become slaves. It's one of those paradoxes that we see in the gospel, you know, that to to gain your life you must lose it to get first give. And it's the same with these decisions that we make. Why am I making the decision is important because there are some people who would look at what I've looked at and yet come to a very different conclusion and think, I don't think I can do that. My conscience won't allow me. And the scripture allows that flexibility, I guess, within a congregation, within a group of people to to allow for those things to take place. Now, the problem is that sometimes we don't agree with the laws. If I don't agree with the laws, how do I live that out as a Christian? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read from Romans 13, 1 to 7 about obeying authorities. I'm going to read the whole of Romans 14, as I said, and let's just let that speak to us. And then I'm going to be doing a short message on 1 Peter chapter 2 to just sort of set some things there for us. So, our first reading. Romans 13, 1-7. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear? The authorities do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid. For they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too. For these same reasons, for government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honour to those who are in authority. All right, so that's Romans 13, 1-7. I'm just going to read through Romans 14. And this is really talking to us as believers how we, we would live with each other. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right and wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. Those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servant? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help they will stand and receive his approval. In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honour him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honour the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. If we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves, if we live it's to honor the Lord, if we die it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord of both the living and the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember we all stand before the God before the judgment seat of God for the scriptures say as surely as I live says the Lord every knee will bend to me every tongue will declare allegiance to God yes each one of us will give a personal account to God so let's stop condemning each other decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall I know and I'm convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat but if someone believes it's wrong then for that person it is wrong if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died, then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat and drink, but of a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. If you're not following your convictions, if you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. I'll just go into chapter 15 for a few verses here. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Now, that's a pretty powerful passage in Romans that talks to us about how we should live together as Christians. Because the truth is that we won't always agree. We know that. But sometimes there's things that are more divisive than others. In this this passage here, they're in a city, Rome, where idols are plenty and probably just about any bit of meat that you bought would have been sacrificed to an idol because what they did was they'd sacrifice it then they'd take it over to the butcher and they'd sell it they'd sell the meat to everybody so so amongst these people this is this is the the dilemma they had there's some people that are saying you know what this meat i know it's been sacrificed to an idol and that's not god so in my heart i can't eat it i feel guilty i feel like it's a sin yet others are saying you know what it's all right God has sanctified that food. I give thanks for it, and he sanctified it. And in other words, their faith was that, yes, this is all right. It's okay to do it. So amongst this, Paul is saying to to Christians, make sure that you make the main point the main point, that you are growing in faith, that you are loving one another, that you're encouraging one another in growth in Christ Jesus. And this is one of the things that we see if we get too caught out on extremes of any sort, we end up never talking about Jesus. We end up talking about the problem, the issue. And in the end, sometimes we even make it a lifetime issue where, where it's always talked about at every situation. It's, it's the only thing that we talk about. Jesus is only relevant to that one thing. Jesus is only relevant to food offered to idols. That's it. And so we start to campaign on this thing of The food to idols, that's the main thing of Christianity, but for us as Christians, that is not the main thing. Vaccination is not the main thing. Is it important? Yes, it is. And others, it's like the freedom. Like I went, honestly, I went in the freedom march last week, me and my little grandson Tate, Not because we were against people getting vaccinated. I was already vaccinated. But the fact that there was no room, like in my mind, I'm like, there's room for other ways to do this. So we're trying to keep people safe. Is that the goal, to keep people safe? Yes, that's the goal. We want to keep people safe so everyone should be vaccinated. But what if I go to work and do like a a quick test that are freely available, not freely available, as in free, but they're everywhere you can get these quick tests you can do the test before work and you can work because you haven't got COVID. i think in my mind it was like this you know why aren't we trying to find solutions other than just this blanket you just have to be and that's it because in my heart i'm like there's people who are going to lose their jobs because they're not getting vaccinated yet at the same time they don't have coronavirus and they're not putting anyone at risk is the point to keep people safe? Is it to keep them safe from spreading a disease? Then is this the only way? And I will never always agree with every government decision, I understand that, but it's my heart and my reaction in that, do I become a rebel or do I become someone who can actually argue and and work with and 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 plead to the government about different things. And there's a right way to do that. I really wanted to speak about that today. I don't think I'd have time. But a way that Daniel showed when he was serving evil kings back in the Old Testament. So in my heart, it's like this. I know that this is restricting people's livelihood. Can you see it? That's pretty strong, isn't it? to just say to someone, even though you don't have coronavirus, even though you're putting no one at risk, we're saying you are and that's it. Where's the room to move? Even for church this morning. Why can't you do a test in the morning? Hey, I don't have coronavirus. Come on in. And I know things will change. I'm pretty sure that the government's not putting this in for a forever rule. It's happened before with other pandemics over time. Other situations, imagine in the world war. We have restrictions placed on us. But the point I want to talk about is how do I respond to the government today? How do I live the way that God wants me to do? Because the verses I'm going to read from in 1 Peter, chapter 2, of 13 to 16. But just before that, Peter in this letter is saying, you know what guys, you're not of this earth. You're just passing through. You don't belong to this world anymore. You are now, you are now citizens of heaven. And then we come up to the verses that we're about to read that just seem so opposite to that. <laughs> so in one Peter two, and I'll just read these out to you in verse ten and eleven. What what Peter's saying? Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very souls. There's this this part of us that understands that we're not of this world. We're, we're, We're Christians now. But what Peter's going to address very shortly in this letter is that, hey, you're not of this world, but God has placed authorities here for our good, and we're to submit to them. As I said, there's a couple of reasons why we wouldn't. But we have to be very careful to understand that our freedom is not a freedom to do whatever we want. It's to be obedient to God. Isn't that our freedom first of all? To make sure that we live for him and obey God. As I said before, it's it's often in our makeup that we don't want anyone to tell us what to do. See, now, make up as a Christian, while I'm of heaven, I don't need to do what you do. We're temporary residents on earth, so I can live differently. I don't have to worry about anything on earth. I want you to remember, too, as I read this letter out, this is not in a time when, you know, the government is awesome. You know, everyone's looked after really well. We're all just great buddies. We're talking about a time when Nero is in power in Rome. Where Christians are being tortured, having hot wax poured all over their bodies while they're, they're screaming in pain, they're being thrown to the beasts. There's all these sorts of things going on. The Roman Empire itself was, was controlling everything and they were not all good, they were not all just, they were not all right. Yet at this time, as Peter's writing this letter, this is what they are facing can you imagine what that's like? I think you can a little bit, but we live in such a good country, to be honest. Would you rather live in a country that would kill you if you're a Christian? Would you la- rather live in a country that says you can't worship God at all and you have to go and hide? There might be adaptations that we have to make as a church. That's true. But we have to make sure that in everything we do we honour God and we live the way that He wants. Okay. So let's have a look at then at one Peter two thirteen to fifteen. Respecting people in authority is a heading in my book here. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state, that could be um, the emperor, is the actual literal translation of that, or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and honour those who do, who do right. It is God's will that your honourable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the King. So there's a few things I want to just put out there today. Firstly, we are called to submit. We're commanded to submit to the authorities. And that means to be subject to another's wills or desires or ways... But ultimately, if we submit to Jesus, that will help us to be able to submit to others above us. Why? Because he told us to. So my submission to Christ actually leads me to obey this verse, doesn't it? To think I have to submit to the authorities that are here because God has told me to. Christians are not called to live in rebellion. That doesn't mean we don't speak up. We're talking about rebellion where we're just like, I'm not going to do what you say. I'm going to cause trouble and I'm going to cause grief. Christians are not called to that type of lifestyle. Think about Jesus. One of the biggest pushes against him while he was on earth was Jesus, come and establish your kingdom. The understanding was, help us rise up. Take over the Roman authorities Give us Israel back. But Jesus was very clear that his kingdom wasn't of the earth. Yet at the same time, he obeyed the laws, even to the temple tax. When they said, you've got to pay the temple tax, he said, why should the son have to pay? But he did it anyway. He told people to obey the law, but he spoke up against injustice and unrighteousness. Definitely. And to what extent, though, do I have to submit? Firstly, we're commanded to submit. What extent? It says to everyone in authority, doesn't it, right there? All authority. That means anything instituted among men, your boss at work, your teacher at school, whatever it might be, we're called to submit to the authorities, the authorities in the church, the authorities in the government, local government, the authorities... In the state government, the authorities in the federal government, the police that are on the streets, whoever it is, we're asked to submit to that authority. And that means for us to submit to the directives at the moment, although we might not like them, we might not agree with them. And we could be branded in this way by people that we're just rolling over. We're just doing whatever the government says. We're just being compliant. In a way, that's true. But it's meant to be done in a way that we are honoring them in what we do. Why do we do it? Firstly, for the Lord's sake, because it's God's will. It's an act of worship to him not because we fear the consequences outwardly, but to bring him glory in what we do, to please God. It's not letting our feelings control us, but going, you know what, as an act of surrender, God, I'm going to worship you because you have asked me to do it. Secondly, to live it out for the sake of an unbeliever. You know, when Christians honour the government and honour the laws of the land, it silences unbelievers. So this is an act of evangelism as well. We don't want to put stumbling blocks in their ways as to the church being such a bad place. They never listen. They're always doing their own thing. They're just rebellious in everything. And sometimes this strips away the excuses for why they won't become a a Christian. Obeying the authorities is also an act of faith. Why? Because God says in Romans 13, as we've already read, these authorities have been placed over us by God. Do you believe that or not? God can deal with government. God can remove government. God can put government in. As a Christian, we are called to pray for those who lead us, to pray for the government, those in authority in our land. Why? So that we can live a peaceful life in the land. And our first stop should not be protest. It may be at some times, but our first stop should be our knees. Begin to pray. Nebuchadnezzar, in the book of Daniel, found out exactly what God could do. He got so puffed up in his own pride, God said to him, I'm going to humble you. You're going to go and eat and live like a wild dog in the bush and go out of your mind and it happened. God restored him in the end. Guys, pray. Pray a lot. Imagine if we had no government at all here. We could all be going, oh, you know, the government this, the government that, but, but how many know that there'd be criminals on the streets? How many know that gangs would ru- rule everything and, and good would not always be promoted? Imagine that young girl that went missing the other week where there's no police, people can do whatever they want. But because the authorities and the government have set up rules and, and ways of doing things, we have a restoration of a family. And governments should reward their citizens for sure with good. As well. And it doesn't mean I obey the government if they're a believer. It means I obey them because God has asked me to. And it is an act of faith. Do you really believe that God can do something? David, King David of Israel, he was anointed after Saul, but Saul was an evil, wicked king to him. He was trying to kill him, he was hunting him down, and yet David said, I will not harm or touch the Lord's anointed. He understood that it was God who had to work it out. If he tried to do it by force, if he tried to do it by his power, it wasn't the way God wanted it to be. Are there any exceptions? Yes, there is. When the authority over you demands something that is clearly against the revealed will of God, Acts 5 21 is, is, is about that, where the disciples, they were, they were they were arrested for preaching the gospel to the world. And they said this, would we obey man rather than God? Of course they wouldn't. But that's a revealed will of God, go and preach the gospel to the world. Something that is certain, that is, is obviously out there, that it's, it's, a, it's an imperative of the gospel. If you're asked to do something That was immoral, and and as I said before, some people are thinking that vaccination is not moral. That's a decision that they're making, and they should stick to that. An example could be smuggling Bibles into China when China wasn't allowing Bibles in, but we knew the gospel had to go in there. So there's people in this church, no doubt. I remember when I was a kid, the guy that used to do it, um, Brother Andrew, I think it was, they called him god's smuggler he'd take bibles across across the border and god was with him but he was also willing to endure any of the consequences that came with that with that disobedience obeying god i love that story of brother andrew like he pulled up at the checkpoint i think it was actually in russia with bibles they opened the boot stacked with bibles and they didn't see him at all god blinded their eyes We have to trust that in these times that God is with us. But we have to understand that when we are doing that, there are consequences as well. So summing up. (laughs) When you're thinking about these things, what is God actually calling you to the story I heard from China is that one of the regions was having great trouble. So the government were, were looking at this region and it was a region where people were on drugs, there was a really bad community in the town and they didn't know what to do about it. Now we all know that in China they've been persecuting Christians for a very long time. But the government were like, what are we going to do about it? They knew there was a group of Christians in that town and they said, This, who are we going to get to help us? And they said, We looked at the Christians, and they were the model citizens that we required. So, what they did is they actually forced everyone in the town to come to the, the town hall at a certain time, and they had to sit and listen to the testimony of the Christians. What had changed their life? And on that day, seven of the villages or the, or the townspeople got saved and they began to change their life and live differently. It wasn't through the Christians' rebellion, it wasn't through their outspokenness, it was through their obedience, even in a place that was persecuting Christians. There's a recognition that these people are honourable people, they honour God. They also honour the government. If we are to go and say, well, I'm against this, how are you going to do it? Firstly, you do have to be brave. You have to have courage. But you have to do it with humility and wisdom, without demanding. And these are the characteristics that Daniel showed when he He was told you can't, you have to eat the king's food. Now there's a lot of things that he did do. He wore their clothes, he he lived in the society that he'd been taken captive to. But he was also always a respectful person, but he still fought for his rights. He did it with wisdom. And I think for us it's how are we going to do that? Maybe as a church, but maybe as individuals. If you're you're worried about the freedom side of it, you're worried about people losing jobs, book an appointment with your politician in your area. Go and have a chat with them. Do it with humility. Do it with respect, because they are given this um, authority to be where they are. Write respectful letters with good reasoning to people that have influence. We've done it before as a church with different bills that are going through the the parliament and things like that. Can it change things? Yes, it can. Will it? Who knows? But at these times, think about our actions towards God, towards authority, but more importantly towards one another. And how are we meant to act towards one another? Don't argue with people about what they believe. Remember we're all God's servants and we have to stand before him. Live to honor the Lord. Don't condemn or look down on another believer. Remember that the main point is to live a life of goodness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Aim for harmony. Don't tear apart the work of God. Don't let these divisions make God's word less. Be considerate. Don't live to just please yourself. Care for those that need caring for. Encourage those that can't be here today. Give them a call. How did you go today? How are you feeling? And remember, even Christ didn't live to please himself. If Christ didn't live to please himself, may we also have that same attitude that he had in Jesus' name. Father, I just want to thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that you are in control. Lord, you have a way out. During this time, again, I'm just praying for understanding and love and care for one another. That your church would not be divided, but united. That we would find strength in times of struggle. That you would refine us and make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. If anyone does want prayer this morning, please feel free to come up the front. I'll grab my mask and chuck it on and we can pray. that's it